Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Good. It's good to see you. My name is Dylan. This is Kayla, and this is April, and we are glad to see you here this morning. Are you glad to be in a warm room right now? Yay. Right. It is cold outside, and it's been a cold weekend, but thank you guys for braving out the cold this morning and for joining us today. We are starting a brand new series this morning that is called Soul Rest, and through the course of this series, we're going to be talking about what it means to find true rest in our lives. And so a little later in our service today, Pastor Scott's gonna be up and he's going to unpack that and explain about that just a little bit more. Uh, right now to get things kicked off, as we always do, we're gonna stand and sing a couple of songs together. So why don't you go ahead and stand and just greet a few neighbors around you and then we're gonna sing together.
that we have this morning. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. It says his praise will always be on my lips. And as we were singing that song, one of the things that I was thinking about is how easy it is to praise God when life is going good. Um, when the job's going good, when finances are good, when the marriage is good, it's easy to praise God on those days, right? Uh, but how many of us in the room would be willing to admit that when difficult times come, that on those days, it can be difficult to praise God? Anybody? But here's the good news today, is that we have a reason to sing this morning. Because of the cross, because Jesus rose again on the third day, then for those of us who are followers and believers of Jesus, we have a reason to sing because we have hope for tomorrow. We know standing here today that the struggle isn't forever. But we know that even as the waves feel like they're crashing around us, and even though we have no idea what tomorrow holds, we know that we can trust in our Savior and that He's going to see us through. This morning, you, you may be here and you may be facing a difficult, difficult season in your life. Uh, you may have a situation before you that you have no idea how you're going to get out of. You have no idea how you got there. And every day might just be a struggle for you whether that's you this morning or not, I want to challenge all of us in the room with a question. And the question is, are you praising God in the middle of your storm? Are you praising God in the middle of your difficult circumstances, in the middle of your difficult situations? Praising God not because of the situation that you're walking through, but praising God because He is always good, because He is always faithful, and because God is always working for our good. This morning, maybe what you need to do is you just need to lift your hands and you just need to surrender. And you just need to sing praises out of your mouth. We can't, we can't do that for you. This has to be something that you, yourself, you sing praises, you, you sing that you are thankful, that you are grateful, that even in the valley that you are going to choose to praise your heavenly father because he is good and because he is going to see you through and because we have hope for tomorrow. If that's you, then I want us to go back and I want us to sing that chorus again. Um, every voice in the room, I want us to sing out and I want us to praise our heavenly father this morning. Let's sing it together.
sacrifice that our Savior made on that cross over 2,000 years ago. You'll notice that there are several stations set up around the room this morning, and together we're going to receive communion. And when you came in, you'll notice that there were communion cards in your seat. If this is something that is brand new for you, or maybe you just have some questions about what communion is what it's about, what it represents, then that card can help you with some of those questions. Um, If you're here this morning and and you're just like, you know what, I'm just trying to figure this thing out. I'm not really sure what I believe. I'm not sure if I am am with the Jesus thing yet, then listen, that's all right. We're grateful that you're here. You can just feel free to sit back and relax. And we'll just be grateful that you'll just allow us to do what we need to do for the next few minutes. So let me pray for us. And then after we pray together, then you are dismissed to a station that is close by to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. God, for your never ending love. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that's new over our lives every single day. Jesus, we thank you for the cross and we thank you for the freedom that we have in you. God, that we can stand here today in confidence. God, knowing that our struggles don't last forever. Jesus, because you give hope for tomorrow. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. God, we are so undeserving. We are so unworthy of your love, of your grace, of your kindness. But Jesus, you choose to walk through life with us. And God, for that, we are grateful for that. We sing praise to you this morning. So Father, bless us. God, remind us of your love this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed to a table nearby to you.
Come on, let's keep singing. You are worthy. Everybody lift your voice today. forget how how real you feel right now Lord the truth is is that you are worthy and it's it's not because of anything we say you are worthy regardless of what comes out of our mouth but there's some something powerful about us confessing that confessing that over our relationships confessing that over our sickness, over our marriage, over our diagnosis, over our finances, over our children, over our jobs. We confess you are, you are worthy. And when it doesn't make sense, Lord, you are still worthy. You tell us in Psalm 46, 1, that you're, you're a very present help times of trouble. Thank you that we don't have to look for you. We don't have to wonder where you are. We don't have to wonder if you're still in control. We don't have to wonder if you're still on your throne. We don't have to wonder if you're still worthy. We don't have to wonder if you're still our hiding place. We don't have to wonder if you still have the strength, but you are our strength. You are our refuge. And this morning we find comfort in who you are. You are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Continue to display in our lives how worthy you are as we see your goodness. In spite of our circumstances, we see your comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. Um, This is a special place in case you haven't figured that out presence of God is everywhere, but this morning and in this church, it's tangible. You can, you can feel it. You can tell it. And so I don't know how you come in here this morning. I put, um, I put on Facebook Monday or Tuesday morning, just on my personal Facebook page. I would love to pray for you. If I can, then please let me know. And I think like 200 comments later and about two hours of my time last week, I made my way through those prayer requests. I know that there's some people in this room this morning, you're hurting, you're searching, and you're asking God for some things and you're believing God is gonna do some things in your life. And I want you to know this morning, you don't have to go looking for him, but he is here. He is meeting you where you are and he has all of those things that are on your mind. Those are in his hand. I want you to know that this morning. As we uh, continue to worship through giving, um, if you're a guest with us this morning, uh, this is not for you. Um, matter of fact, we don't want anything from you. We just, we're just glad you're here. 
Um, that's not why somebody brought you here. We're not all about um, that money or <laughs> not all about that base, but we're also not all about that money either. And uh, we're just glad you're here. Uh, but if you're a regular, um, we're still not all about that base, but we are about being faithful uh, in what God's given us. And so if you're a regular this morning, you can know, you can uh, text the number that's about to be on the screen. Um, you can give at the kiosk in the lobby, um, or you can also um, give online at uh, springwell.org. Please do not give based on the quality of the jokes, okay? And so as we, uh, as we prepare to give this morning, Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your blessing. God, we realize that it's all from you in the first place. And so God, as we give faithfully this morning, we are just returning what's rightfully yours. Thank you that you bless us and that you love us and that you are worthy in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're on the left side of the road this morning, you can pass the bucket to the right. Thank you all for being here. Good morning. Uh, I always uh, want to take an opportunity uh, after I've been gone for a couple of weeks or not spoke for a couple of weeks uh, to have, just to thank those guys that did. Uh, for Jonathan uh, and Brian, I, these are just phenomenal men. Uh, I know they love Jesus. I, I get a chance to work with them and to see that every day. And I get an opportunity to stand back and to watch them interact with, with you, actually. Um, one week that I was actually here, that's, that's exactly what I did. I tried my best to just stand back and to watch, to watch those guys when they're at their best. You know, it's not just what you stand up here and say, but it's what you live when you're out there. I think that actually makes all the difference in the world, don't you? Yeah. That was kind of half-hearted. You know, you weren't really sure exactly about that. But anyway, I just want to say thank you to those guys and from the depths of my heart, that I appreciate um, what they bring every single time that they're on this stage. It gives me opportunities to sometimes rest, sometimes I'm, that is, playing with the family, having a good time, enjoying life. Sometimes that is, you know, studying, just taking time to study and to be away. Um, sometimes I'm here, and uh, it was funny because I came in the other week, I had my cap on, my Harley hat on, and people were looking at me kind of funny. Like, the, I, you look familiar. <laughs> I really started to mess with some people, you know, and it, it wasn't nice. So I said, okay, don't do that. So anyway, I do want to say thank you and uh, for the opportunity just to be here, to be a part of, of a service um, and just be able to be ministered to. Uh, so the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about rest. Some of you are excited. Some of you aren't sure. Man, I have this phenomenal staff. Uh, these guys come up with stuff that I would never dream of. And so you can text the word rest to 40650 uh, to receive text throughout this series with Scripture and some questions that are just going to help you to find rest. But when I'm talking about rest, 
This is not physical rest. I'm talking about soul rest. Soul rest is something that goes a lot deeper than just physical rest. Physical rest can help, I think, at times. I think that there can be times when, when you need to steal away, sabbatical away, that you need to steal away with some, with some time, uh, an extended period of time. And, and it's through that physical rest that you might be able to find some rest for your soul. But here's the thing, it goes deeper than that. It goes a lot deeper than physical rest. In fact, I would say that one of the signs that you need some soul rest is that you've actually taken some time for physical rest and it didn't work. Uh, maybe you had the good fortune to be able to take a week off or maybe even two weeks off. And, and so every single day you slept late, you know, you, your normal routine is to get up early in the morning and, and you slept late and you slept late every single day. And, and maybe you went to sit on the beach and you sip lemonade all day long with your feet in the sand and life was good. You didn't do anything for, for a solid 14 days. But at the end of it all, you're still Tired. Tired. Actually, goes beyond tired. I think, it, I think it's like there's a weariness. You can't quite, the thing of it is, you can't quite put your finger on it. You know, you want to try to define it. You want to try to get to that place to discover what it is. You can't quite put your finger on it. You don't know exactly how to describe it. But you know that there is a tiredness. And again, it goes beyond a simple tiredness to a weariness. You know what's there. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you're fully aware that your soul has been restless for a long time. Sometimes it's amazing to me, sometimes it's amazing to me that, that people that aren't followers of Jesus can sometimes at a stage in your life be more self-aware than those of us that follow Jesus every day. And so maybe you're here this morning going, dude, I'm there, man. I understand completely what you're talking about. I've been searching for that, that thing in my life to bring meaning, you know? And the thing of it is, I haven't found it, and I'm just, I'm just tired. My soul is restless. I've been looking for something to help relationship work, you know, the relationships in my life, the broken relationships in my life work. And I've been reading books and I've been searching and I hadn't found it, you know, and I'm more empty now than I've ever been. Or, or maybe, you know, there's this something that, that makes you feel significant. Just what you've been searching for, that thing that would make you feel significant. And you've been looking and searching and you're tired. And you're weary. I mean, you're weary deep down inside. You are restless. Some of you are followers of Jesus, and the truth of it is, the, the truth of it is, is that your soul needs rest. You are restless. You've been burning the candle at both ends, man. You've been serving everybody, and you've been doing it for a very long time. And the truth of it is, is that you are tired. You're very tired. And honestly, I mean, you know, this is going to be really hard for you, and some of you are probably going to get a little upset with me. It's okay. Honestly, you're not serving Jesus with the joy of the Lord, and you're not serving others with the joy of the Lord. In fact, it's hard for you to admit. But you're really serving God, and you're really serving others more out of obligation than love. But you can't admit it. Because if you were to admit it, if you were to just look and say, you know what, I'm tired. I mean, I'm really, I mean, I'm tired. I'm tired deep down inside. I'm the kind of tired that you just can't get over in a day. It would make you look like not spiritual. 
And you're a mess. But you can't cut back. You can't do less. You can't serve less. I mean, there are needs out there, right? I mean, there are needs out there. And there are all these hurting people who need help. And, and you are, after all, you're God's gift to those people. And I know he created the world in six days. I know he did. I know like God is awesome. There's nothing that you see that God did not create. But you are God's gift to those hurting people. And if you don't do your thing to serve as many people as possible, then guess what? Their lives will fall apart. Because it's all really dependent upon you. Wow, that sounded harsh. If you think that sounded harsh, you should have read this like, Six weeks ago when I wrote this, <laughs> it was really harsh. I think I've tried to kind of soften the blow a little bit since then. And I didn't mean for it to sound harsh, and that was the thing. I know that feeling. I know how you feel because I have been there on more than one occasion. Back in the day when we experienced it, it was called burnout, right? Burnout. And I experienced at least two major burnouts in the early years of, of Springwell. I guess most people still call it that. I don't call it that anymore. I don't think it's burnout. I don't think burnout describes it. I'm using a different term. The term that I've, I'm using, and I just made this up on my own. Other people probably now have written about it, but it's, it's soul tired. I'm talking about the kind of tired that you cannot describe. That's what I'm talking about. Something that goes deep down that affects your faith in God and your relationship with Jesus. And quite honestly, it affects your relationship with other people you just may not want to admit it. And my experience is it's more than a sabbatical can fix. It's more than time away can cure. And so here's what I did. I really felt led. Honestly, it's more than a leading. It's a burden. I felt a burden to do a series like this. And I said, man, you know, it'll be easy. It'll be really easy, God. I've kind of been there. I understand some things. And so what I'll do is I'll just take a few passages of Scripture that speak to rest, and then we'll just use that, and, we'll, and, we'll, and that'll be it. We'll just kind of dissect the Scripture, and it'll make it really easy. It'll be a fun series, and people will get help for their weariness. And the thing of it is, is I did find verses, tons of verses. The weird thing is, is that every commentator that I would read would try to become like, they couldn't admit that there's this soul tired. I mean, like for lost people, you know, for people that are far from God, but they couldn't really get to the heart of it for those of us that are followers of Jesus, genuine followers of Jesus who are trying to do it right. But I did find a verse found in Hebrews, Hebrews 4. Here's what it says. I love it right out of the gate. It says, so there is, there is a special rest. I know you're like the, not the real spiritual crowd. That's the nine o'clock service, right? But, like, don't we say, amen? Don't you feel like somebody like should have said that? Just fake it. I won't know any different. You know, just fake, amen. You know, there's this special rest. I love those words, special rest. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. Come on, somebody say, amen. That's what I'm talking about. But that's what he says. He qualifies it. Just as God did. Whoa. So the special rest, this rest that God offers, is the same kind of rest that God experienced after he created the world in six days. And on the seventh day, God rested. And he said, this is what I want you to experience. 
So what is this special rest? Let me give you a little background to the passage, because if I don't give you some background, we're never going to understand it. First of all, let me say this. The book of Hebrews was primarily written to followers of Jesus. Okay, you got that part? So like if you're you know, brand new to church, it's primarily written to Christians. That's who it's primarily written to. It was written to followers, but scattered throughout the book are these, warning, these warnings to unbelievers. But these aren't just your average run-of-the-mill unbelievers. This is, this is not those kind of unbelievers. This is not like just a pagan crowd. Are you with me? This particular group of people, it's a group of Jews who literally had turned away from Judaism. They had said, you know what? We know that there's more. I mean, the Messiah, there was the promise of the Messiah. We know that there's more. And so they turned away from Judaism and they started toward Jesus. But they just never fully committed to Jesus. So they were kind of like in no man's land. I mean, I, some would say they were on the fence, and there's tons of you out there raised in church. I ain't no fence. You're either for me or against me. I got you. I got you. But these were people, listen to me, these were people that were somewhere, and this is what I'm talking about, and some of you will know exactly what I mean, that you're somewhere believe, between unbelief and belief. You're somewhere like in between belief and unbelief. And so here's what's happened to this group of Jews. What happened is because of persecution and social pressure, and let's just be honest, love of their own sin, these, these folks are in a great danger of going back to Judaism. That's it. So like, are you with me? So they, they were moving in this direction, and they said, that's not working. We know there's got to be more. God promised the Messiah. We think maybe, like maybe it's Jesus. But on the way to following Jesus, things got hard. And maybe they woke up one day and said, forget this. And so they were in danger of going back to their old life. So in chapter 4, we find ourselves right in the middle of this warning to those Jews who are like on the edge. They're on the edge, like some of you are, on the edge of committing your life to Jesus, but you're not fully in yet. And so this warning actually begins in chapter 3. And here's what it says, verse 7. This is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. And so this whole theme of don't harden your hearts is repeated several times throughout this passage. And the illustration is, it's not just don't harden your hearts, it's don't harden your hearts like the children of Israel did. Okay, like some of you, maybe you're new to church or you're new to the Bible, so let me tell you a little bit about the children of Israel. For 400 years, they had been enslaved to the Egyptians. 400 years. But God set them free. It's a cool story. I mean, it really is a cool story. You should go back and read it. So God gives these 10 plagues, I mean, these supernatural events that take place in order for Pharaoh to finally get to the point where he would let God's people go. I mean, it took 10, but finally he said, woo, like God must be God and I'm not, and these are his kids. He said, let them go. I must, I must. I've got to do what he said. I've got to let him go. So God supernaturally delivered Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And here's what happened. They turned from Egypt. And they began to go toward this, this land called Canaan. This, this land called the promised land. Now this is really important. How long had they been in slavery? You guys listened. You get an A for today. Yeah, like 400 years. Actually over 400 years. 400 years in slavery, Okay. 
And then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And so they're out there wandering in the wilderness. They're looking, they haven't reached Canaan yet. They're still having to work for their food. In fact, there was no food. God had to feed them. God destroyed their, their enemy, the Egyptians, when they came after them in the Red Sea, right? And then they didn't have any food or water and God took care of them. I mean, there's all these things. Here's what he said. You can rest from that in this land that's like heaven. I mean, it's like perfect. But on the way to that, they experienced some difficult times. And they, start, they started to doubt God, and so they hardened their heart. And so the first generation of the children of Israel, they didn't get to go into the land of Canaan. They didn't get, they didn't get to enter into the promised land. They never got that rest that he's talking about. Dude, how sad is that? So here's the point. They stopped at this crucial place of decision. And so the warning in this passage is don't do what Israel did. Don't walk, listen, don't walk away from the old life and never fully commit to the new life. Because when you do that, you're in no man's land. See? I mean, there is no fence. I mean, you're just in no man's land. And you will never experience the rest that I've got for you. And so the reason, the reason that these Jews never made it to Canaan was because of unbelief. And I wrote this, and I'll tell you what I wrote after it. I mean, this really happened. I'm all by myself. I'm having a good time. I'm just typing away. And so I typed these words. I wrote, unbelief forfeits rest. I wrote, wow, that's a good point. Y'all aren't as impressed as me. But I was so proud of myself. I thought, man, that is so good. Unbelief forfeits rest. And I thought, wow, that's true. Looking back over my life, it's been during the difficult times. And when I say difficult times, I really don't, I don't, just mean difficult events. And there's been difficult events that led to difficult seasons in my life. Are, are you following me at all? There would be these, these events that would lead to these difficult seasons. And when I say seasons, I don't just mean like a couple of days. I don't even mean like a couple of weeks. In some cases, it might be that. But other cases, there literally have been times in my life that these difficult events led to difficult seasons that, that, that led to the season being years of struggle, years of struggle. And I'd love to be able to tell you that was when I was a hellion and out there in the world not serving Jesus. No, it wasn't. It's been since I was a pastor. And I would say that struggles have a way of squishing out. I couldn't come up with a better word, sorry. They have a way of squishing out what we really believe. In fact, I would go so far as to say that you really don't know what you believe until you've had the pressure applied. I can't believe I'm on, I didn't put this in my notes. Now you'll understand why. How many of you have seen, there's a new show on TV. It's called Dr. Pimple Popper. Any, have y'all? I wanted to like do a clip. It's awesome. For those of you that are into like mashing stuff and 
stuff coming out. I wanted to do it, but I was afraid some of y'all would throw up or something. And I, so I said, no, we can't, can't do it. But it's a phenomenal show. And this lady, is what she does. And she goes in, people have, I didn't understand all this cyst. And so a cyst would be like this big old knot and she would take and she would numb it and then she would take and she would put, like this one lady had this big old knot appear on her face. It was awesome. And she had this big old knot appear. And so then she deadened it and then she took a scalpel and she put a little hole in it. And then she put on a splash splatter mask. So help me, I'm telling you the truth. She looked at the nurses that were helping. She said, y'all better put on one too because it's fitting to get messy up in here. And so then, then well, she, she took those thumbs and she started to mash. Woo! I mean, bam! White pus and stuff went everywhere. That may be gross, but you won't forget this point. In the end, that's all that matters, isn't it? I'll tell you what I found, is that the struggles of life, the pressures of life, tend to push out what's really inside. When you outlive your child, that can lead to a crisis of belief. When you get the doctor's report that you got six months to live, that can lead to a crisis of belief. When your spouse tells you that they don't love you anymore and they walk out and they take your children with them, that can lead you to a crisis of belief. When you've struggled with depression for years and, and you've done your due diligence, I mean, you prayed and you had the prayer team praying, but you, you also, you, you went to the doctor you went to the doctor, right? So you went to the doctor, and, and so they prescribed medication. You've taken your medication, and the truth of it is you've taken your medication, and you don't like the way you feel. You don't like the way you feel, and the bottom line is you think you're still depressed. You still feel depressed. And when you've prayed and begged and pleaded, and you still struggle with depression every day, I'm telling you, that can lead you to a crisis of belief. If you're tired and weary from the struggles of everyday life, just talking about everyday life. Not even over-the-top kinds of events, but I'm talking about everyday life. And you struggle through everyday life long enough. And you know what? You understand the statement that I made a few minutes ago. You understand that unbelief forfeits rest. You get it. And you're thinking right now, dude, you're right. He goes on to say in Hebrews 3, he says, your ancestors tested and tried my patience even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. I don't know about you, but I used to read the Old Testament and I would think, a bunch of losers in the Old Testament. Come on, make me feel better by thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all ain't even going there, are you? So I do, I would look at the Old Testament, I would look at the children of Israel and I would say, you gotta be kidding me, y'all had the 10 plague thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, God showed up with the frogs and the locusts and all this crazy stuff. Like, you had visible evidence of the power of God. And then, then when you, you know, you ran, and so, and then the Egyptians chased you and you watched God part the Red Sea. You walked over on dry land. You saw your enemy defeated. How cool was that? I mean, like you had the visible evidence of the power of God. And I, I would think, you know, and then, then y'all were hungry. You whined a bunch of whiners. They were whiners, were they not? Whined all the time. 
You know, you want some cheese to go with that wine? I mean, they're just constant whining. We're hungry, we're hungry, we're hungry. So he gave them something to eat. We're thirsty, we're thirsty, we're thirsty. So he gave them something to drink, but no matter what he did, it was never enough. I look back and I think, you know what, God, I like get it. For 40 years, they experienced the supernatural power of God. Then I've looked at my own life and I've thought, wow. It's amazed me how easily I can forget God's miraculous power in my past when I'm neck deep in my present struggles. Come on. Am I, is, maybe I'm the only one. Y'all real spiritual. Y'all looking at me like I'm a loser. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying, are, are you with me? I mean, like when you look back and you think, I forgot all the times that God showed up and did so many things, but I question whether he'll do it again. It's bad theology. Then he says, he says, so I was angry with them. And I said, their hearts always turn. Their hearts, you know what? No matter what I do, I can hear God. <laughs> he didn't sound like me, but if he did, he'd say, you know what? No matter what I do, it ain't never enough. That's what he says. They refuse to do what I tell them. So when my anger took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. See, I told you, unbelief forfeits rest. And this word rest is a reference to Psalm 95. We're back, we're back to the children of Israel and we're back to the land of Canaan. So they, 400 years, all they knew, there, there were several generations of people, all they knew was slavery. That's all they knew. There was a generation that all they knew was the struggle of the wilderness. They had the promise of God, but the struggle in the wilderness stopped them dead in their tracks. So they never entered that first generation. They never entered into the promised rest because of unbelief. So that's the basic principle of this whole passage. Nobody experiences God's rest apart from faith. And that's the key to entering into rest. But here's what the writer said. He said, so, there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter into this, this rest, this special rest. A better translation would be Sabbath. That's, that's a little bit better translation. And the translation is that when, when God created the world, He said, I'm I'm done. It's, it's complete. It, it's finished. It's over. It's an ultimate sense when we finally rest from our works. Got that straight out of a commentary. It's got to be true. And rest completely as God did when he finished his creation. So the question isn't whether or not there is a special rest, a Sabbath. An op somewhere that you can find rest for that deep weariness that you're feeling. That overwhelming sensation that you're having, that you're wondering if you're going to be able to, are we going to make it through this time? That you can, you don't have to worry or fret or be concerned. How do you, how you get it? Well, I think old St. Augustine said it best when he said, God, you have made us for yourself, O oh Lord. And our soul is restless 
Oh, man, watch this. Come on. Our soul is restless until he finds rest in you. Psalm 46, verse 10. God said, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Just be still. No kidding, like right now, let's just be still, just for a second. It's going to be weird, I know. Just kind of breathe it in for a second. Be still, know who he is. I mean, really, know who he is. Not with the not the lies. I'm not talking about the lies. Be still and know him. It's changed my life. Emily told me. A few weeks ago, she said, Daddy. You don't walk the same anymore. You don't talk the same anymore. You don't preach the same anymore. Something's changed. She and I had this incredible relationship, and it's, it's this thing it's to be still and to really know God. I mean, to know Him, to understand His love at, at a place right now that I've never understood it before. It's sweeter. It's always, I, I've always doubted. I've always wondered, not for you, I don't wonder for you. God loves you. He's crazy about you. I tell you all that every week. It's just me that I struggle with. I, no kidding. I know me, you know? And so I know me. When I look in the mirror and I think, how could God? That's what Jesus did on the cross. I have to be still and understand the cross. I got to understand it. In its totality that all of my sin, all of the sin that I have ever committed and committing now or ever will commit was taken care of. It's done. That was the cross. Come on, that's either, that's either true or it's a lie. Is it the truth? That's why every morning I'll, I'll be through this in a while and, and uh, y'all won't have to hear this anymore. Every, every morning I walk out and I look up at the star and I say, who created the starry host? Who created all the stars and names on each, who give them each a name and calls them each by name. Well, that's my Heavenly Father. That's who it is. Who could give counsel to God? Nobody. Who's ever given to God that God should give them? Nobody. Oh, the depths of your wisdom and knowledge, God. You are so incredible. And I start every day that way because until I start my day that way, everything else falls apart without that foundation. Jeremiah 6 uh, says this. He says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And walk in it. And you'll find rest for your souls. See, some of you, listen, listen. Some of you, you're at that crossroads. That's where you are. And you're tired, man. You are tired. And I'm talking to followers of Jesus right now. You're just weary. And you struggle. You don't want to admit it. Because if I admit it, gosh, I'm not going to look spiritual anymore. I'm going to give you, we already know you're not, okay? So just, just relax. <laughs> Some of your friends told me to tell you. I mean, we already know like you ain't all that in a bag of chips, okay? So we already know. So why don't you just, 
Stop pretending. And why don't you just be still and rest in Him? Why don't you just give it up? There's some of you this, here this morning, you recognize that your soul is, uh, is not at rest. And come on, man, you've tried all kinds of things, right? You've tried things to fix your relationships, and, and that didn't work. You tried looking for meaning in life, and, and that didn't work. You tried this thing, and that didn't work. You tried success through a career, and, and that didn't work. And, and you're tired, and you're just weary. And you're not a follower of Jesus. And maybe, maybe you've been kind of like between... Somewhere between belief and unbelief. You know, you've walked away from the old life, but you don't know how to embrace. And maybe this morning you're thinking, man, I'm, I think I'm there, you know. I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready like to be in with both feet. If that's you, then every head is bowed and every eye is closed. No one's looking around. Jesus said it like this. He said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened. And he said, I will give you rest. Those of you that would say, yeah, you know what? Man, I know I'm screwed up. I know it. I need a Savior. I need, I need to experience the unconditional love of God. I need it. I'm desperate for it. And this morning, you're ready. You're ready to just turn away from the old, grab hold of the new. Are you going to be perfect? No. It's just to embrace the love of Jesus. So if you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then quietly, maybe right there in your seat, you'll just pray a prayer, something like this. Maybe you'd start with, God, forgive me. Forgive me for wasting so many years looking everywhere else for peace contentment and value go ahead and tell him right now ask him to say please forgive me of my sin I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness and I am placing my faith and my trust in you I believe in the resurrection of Jesus that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And he's alive. So right now, just tell him, just go ahead to say, thank you for your love. You're amazing. Lord, you are amazing. You have been so patient with me, Lord. You have loved me, Lord. You've loved me through all my doubts and all my confusion, all my junk, all my seasons, all the events that led to those seasons. Lord, and I can honestly say, as I stand before these people, you have absolutely, positively never failed me, ever. Now, doesn't mean my circumstances always worked out, Lord, and we had some discussions about that. People that I love died. Situations that I begged you to do something about, you didn't. But through every single one of those struggles, God, you brought me to a place 
of ultimate trust in you. Because you're amazing. Lord, will you take this series, God, and just, you know, anoint it, bless it, use it to bring rest to some weary, weary souls. For what you do, we'll thank you. It's in your sweet name that we pray.